Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I am so excited to have with me today, Paul McManus. Welcome, Paul. Hey, Meredith, how are you doing? It's great to be on your show. Oh, I am so excited to have you here because Paul and I have done business together. I've been a client of his. He is the CEO and co-founder of the More Clients, More Fun program, and I was a member of that for a number of years, benefited from it greatly. He worked with hundreds of coaches and consultants in that particular program, and one of the things I always admired is Paul is more of a guide than a guru. He is constantly experimenting with new approaches, new things, and sharing how they work. So he is out in the trenches every day doing this work to attract his ideal clients. And he has been working with a, a range of people, including financial advisors, CPAs, and business coaches. And he is going to share with us today some really effective strategies that help you attract clients that you really want to work with with less effort than perhaps you've been having to put forth in the past. Um, in fact, one of the things, Paul, that I believe you have done consistently is really built up um, a large number of highly qualified leads. And we're going to talk more about that. But first, I want you to spend just a couple of minutes telling us about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. Thank you. Um, for, so my More Clients, More Fun started about four years ago. And it started when I left my former company, which was a family-owned, multi-million-dollar office products company that, interestingly enough, had been in my family for three generations. I was supposed to continue it. But um, in 2004, I think I saw the writing on the wall and I decided to completely switch paths and I became a, essentially a business coach myself in 2015. Um, at that time, I was going through a program called Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port mm -hmm. uh, and I, I got certified and immediately I was thinking, how do I make it, how do I stand out? You know, how do I stand out in this very crowded, noisy world with essentially no coaching experience? I mean, I had, you know, other types of experience, but um, at that time, uh, it was February, 2015. And I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to just focus on a little niche called LinkedIn. I'm going to become the book yourself solid business coach that, you know, masters LinkedIn and helps people use LinkedIn as a business development platform. Um, I, I, I liked, or I, I joked that at that time, you know, I considered that to be small thinking, meaning that I didn't have the confidence to go out in a bigger, you know, to show up in a bigger way. But it actually proved, I think, to be very smart thinking because in having that level of dedication and focus to one thing, um, I quickly built a company, a following, and in the past four years now, I guess, um, you know, I've been, had the opportunity to work with more than 300 clients. That's great. And so 
what you found, if I remember correctly, is that trying to acquire clients one at a time was not the best use of your time. So what, what were you doing that, that was not working so well and what did you pivot to instead? Sure. I, you know, it, it's, I think that's interesting as well because, you know, most people um, come to me and at least as a starting place for quote unquote lead generation. Um, and typically lead generation in most people's minds consists of going after individual clients one at a time. And in my experience, I found while that, while that has a place, it's a very ineffective, very inefficient way um, to build your business. I mean, you know, client acquisition is probably the hardest place that most, most coaches or consultants or financial advisors face in terms of growing their business. Um, and in the past two, three years, what I've discovered is that practically 90% of my clients, they all came to me, not through that one-to-one -one lead acquisition, but they all came to me from different groups, meaning that, um, you know, in working with coaches, for example, we developed uh, a number of uh, executive coaches who, who are part of uh, Marshall Goldsmith's Stakeholder Center Coaching. Um, we just we developed a number of business coaches that are part of the Brian Tracy focal point. And once we had a couple um, in our program, word just seemed to spread. And so we got a couple more. And once we noticed that, what was most effective for us was not to go out into the marketplace and say that we help coaches or consultants. It was to be very granular, very specific, and go deeper into attracting more and more clients that belong to those organizations. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you know, we all are in saturated markets, meaning that if I say, hey, I do, you know, LinkedIn lead generation, it's like, yeah, you and, you know, 100 other people, what makes you unique? What makes you special? And from a client's point of view, typically the one question they have is who, like me, who, like the person I identify as at a very granular level, have you helped? And if I trust them, that they got results, I believe that you can help me too. But if you don't have someone that I very strongly identify with, um, then it's like, you know, you start sounding like everybody else. That is such a key point uh, because uh, I was, as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking, you know, people um, are asking themselves when they hear about what you do, they're asking, yeah, but can you help me? And what proof do you have that you can help me? And the closest answer to that is somebody like you, somebody who's in a similar circumstance. So I just love that. And, and, and uh, if I can jump in for a second, it's amazing yeah. how, how granular you get. So for example, if I say I help people, that connects with nobody. If I say I help coaches, it gets about 20% there. But to really, to really make that efficient, I have to be able to say I help coaches in stakeholder center coaching. I help coaches in focal point. I help, you know, advisors that belong to this organization. And once you can connect those dots, then it's just becomes, you know, it flips from being hard to easy. Oh, that's such a great point. And the idea is the words you choose are really important. How can you accelerate the way that you can, convince isn't really the word I want, but convey to people that I'm your guy or I'm your gal with, 
with uh, the way you position yourself and the people you've worked with in the past and the fact that you speak their language when right. you are promoting yourself. I just uh, literally just 30 minutes ago, I got off of a webinar and it was to a group of financial advisors. And the reason it was awesome was, was nothing that I said. It was because I had one of my clients who also belongs to this group essentially co-present on this webinar. And I already know this going into it, but it was just, you know, reaffirmed during it is that, you know, people come for the subject, which is, you know, lead generation on LinkedIn, but they're much more interested in hearing about it from my client's point of view. Um, it's much more credible. It's much more believable. Um, you know, it gives people that trust and that hope that, hey, if, if they can do it and they're like me, I can do it as well. Boy, you just hit on something that I think we too often overlook. And that is the doubt that the person has that this could work for me. Totally. And so I think you have just been brilliant at, at establishing these key individuals in the markets you want to reach and um, utilizing them with, of course, their, their enthusiastic permission yeah. to, um, to serve as that kind of social proof for you. Why don't you describe the one person that you started with in that financial services industry that really caused everything to take off for you? It's such a powerful lesson. Yeah, so um, his name is Shane, Shane Walls. And um, he, he, he joined our More Clients, More Fun program was a group coaching program really targeted towards coaches and consultants. Um, he's a financial advisor. And at some point after he joined their group coaching program, he reached out to me and asked if we could work one-to-one. -one. And at first I was like, you know, financial advisors, you know, I, I don't know anything about them. Um, I don't know who this person is really. And so I, I took the call just kind of, you know, not really intending to do anything, but that relationship, that one relationship has made all the difference in my business the past three years. Um, he became a private client of mine. And he's a person who credits me um, with helping him go from $100,000 of income, which is great, to over a couple million dollars of income in the matter of a couple of years. Um, and, you know, I developed a great relationship with them, you know, just very close. And at some point, um, he came to me and said that um, the, the producer group that he belonged to was, you know, asking about, you know, what is his, his secret sauce was, you know, how, how was he doing what he was doing? Um, and he mentioned my name um, and they invited me first to speak to a group of a couple hundred of their members who are all very top level um, financial advisors and life insurance agents. Um, and then from there, just, it just took off. But the key there is that when I went, when I prepared to speak to this group, you know, I was, I, I thought about, okay, what would have the most impact? What is my goal? And my only goal in speaking was to um, build business. My goal wasn't to go up there and feel good about speaking. My goal wasn't to um, do anything like that. My goal was, okay, what can I do at, from this opportunity to maximize people's desire to work with me after it? Um, and what I decided to do was that I had about a 20 to 30 minute speaking slot. Um, and there was nothing that I could say that would, you know, be as impactful as having Shane up there on stage with me and essentially telling from his point of view, his story, his success. Um, you know, I could frame it, I could set it up, I could do all those things, but what people are going to react most positively to is him. And so 
Um, we did that and it was amazing. I mean, there was a line of people that were waiting to talk to me afterwards. You know, it went from having to try to go and solicit business to just kind of sitting back and just, I mean, that was the first time that I really experientially felt this, oh my goodness, what just happened? Um, you, know, you know, how did I reverse that from me chasing people to me putting up barriers and roadblocks and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, being the one to decide who gets to, you know, come in the door, if you will. That's, you know, I think there's such an important lesson there for folks who are listening to this when they think about building their own business. Who do you have as a client that you might partner with to make a presentation at a professional meeting where their story would lend instant credibility to you? And as Paul just said, not having to chase or pursue other people, but having others come up and say, hey, can you do that for me? (laughs) A whole different uh, world. And then you took it to another level when you presented, I think it was, was it the same group um, you presented later or maybe six months later? Tell us more about that particular experience. Yeah, absolutely. So it was the same group. Um, It's called First Financial Resources. The first one was a uh, one of their regional meetings. Um, the second one was their annual meeting where they had pretty much all their people there. Um, and it was so funny because at some point I, I was going to reach out to them and ask if I could, you know, potentially be a speaker. And when I did that, they're like, Oh, we've already planned on inviting you. Don't worry about it. You're in. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> you know, reputation is important. Right. Um, and so they invited me to come speak to their annual meeting. Um, you know, they, they had their, their, their big stage where they had, you know, highly paid paid speakers. They had me and a number of other people in breakout sessions. And to me, what's more valuable is, is the breakout sessions. Um, I like to joke that I got, you know, so, so one of the, the paid speakers there was Carl Rove, who people might know from the political world. I think he got paid like $25,000, but I actually walked out of there with more money in my pocket than Carl Rove did. And the reason I did that is that I had two breakout sessions, standing room only, and um, essentially it was, you know, both of them were, uh, I think it was about a 60 minute slot to essentially talk about LinkedIn. But once again, I knew that there was nothing that I could say or do myself that would turn people into clients. Um, because, you know, it's information, it's, you know, people hear different information. So that the one thing that would really um, create an opportunity for me, similar to what I had created before, was to essentially do the same thing. At this point though, I had two clients. One was Shane, um, another his name was um, Mark Larravee, um, and he was also a, a, a member of this group. And so very intentionally, my hour presentation was essentially, I like to think of it as an infomercial, and I had Shane on one side and I had Mark on the other side, and of course I framed it and asked questions, but essentially it was both of them telling the story from their perspective. It was so funny that while Mark was on stage, he was literally getting leads and appointments while he was on stage. He's like, oh, another appointment. <laughs> and the, the other thing that was interesting was that. Talk about real-time proof. Right? <laughs> oh, it was incredible. It was, just, it was probably like the highlight of my, you know, marketing life. Um, the, the other thing was, you know, I knew, I already knew in advance based on my past experience that, you know, probably everybody in there who, or most everybody in there that attended would want to have a conversation about my services. 
And so I went in thinking, okay, it's not about having conversations with everybody. It's how can I have conversations with just the 10 or 20% that are really serious, right? You know, so I don't want to talk to 100 people. I want to talk to 10 or 20 that are like, you know, really willing to invest. Um, and so I did this for the first time, but it was so, it was, it was, it was so impactful was that I came up with the idea that at the end of it, the call to action was that if they wanted to talk to me about my processes and how, and how I might be able to help them was I had an application and I even said, okay, it's a thousand dollar deposit, you know, so, you know, and, and these are seasoned A type personality salespeople. And I remember that one person in the audience or maybe a couple, they raised their hand. They're like, so you're, you're, you're telling us that in order to speak to you, it's a thousand dollars. And I'm just like, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I said, you know, reality is, is that, you know, our time's all important. So I want to make sure that we can do it that way. But it was so funny because even the person that said that, he ended up giving me the thousand dollar deposit. It was all refundable if, they, if it didn't go anywhere. But um, I think I walked out with about $15,000 deposits, um, which versus 100 conversations, but the 15 and about 80% of those people um, decided to move on. Uh, or, or, or decided to continue with me make that, and so it was. It was. It was um, incredible. From you know being a person who had just hung out his shingle, if you will, you know a few years earlier, scared about how to make a difference, in the, or you know scared about how to market, scared about what to do to be in this position where I'm literally turning people away. That is such an amazing story because it uh, it takes a lot of of courage and confidence to say that to well to do it and prepare in advance that I've got this application and it says right here you've got to put a deposit down but it communicates so many important things to them that you are a busy person and you don't have time to talk to every tire kicker that there might be and so you have put up these requirements or set in place criteria that people have to meet. And I think that the, that is so smart because we all only have so much time. And if we invest our time in people that aren't serious, then that takes away from time we could be spending with other people who really could are serious about benefiting from our services. And to me, it's, it's, really being wise about how can I most quickly get to the people that really are interested in seriously working with me and getting the results that I can help them achieve. And it, I just love the approach that you took. It also has the added benefit, I discovered, that you can charge way more than you otherwise would. You know, the... the I'm a student of psychology um, and, and I'm always fascinated by what works and why it works and et cetera. And when someone's willing to give you a thousand dollars for that initial consultation, we'll call it sales conversation, I'll call it as well. They're very serious. And if you have the right audience that can afford certain things, um, you know, you can charge the maximum. Um, and they say, yes. And so, you know, to me, it's all built on the psychology. It's that when they're coming through that door, you know, not only are they not tire kickers, but they're deadly serious about being interested in what you can do for them. Um, and they've already taken those steps. And so that when you talk about pricing at some point, um, it's like, it's a lot, but let's do it. 
Mm-hmm. So you get far less uh, price resistance um, or other pushback that you might not that you might have had if you had not put those other elements in place. I I right after the event I charged something that was about four times what I charged the year before and got practically no price resistance. (laughs) I just love what you're saying because too often we tell ourselves stories about what someone would pay. And the other element though that I'm taking from this that I think is really important for our listeners is choosing the right market. So if you are wanting to work with more of these uh, folks that won't have the, the price resistance or try to get you to give away things. You have to have the right pond to fish in. You, you can't be trying to speak to a group of, say, startup business owners that are strapped for cash, have no sense of um, where the money could possibly come from, versus those who are already successful, like your um, clients are, and they simply want to kick it up to a whole different level. Do I have that right? You do, and, there, and there's a number of things that you said that I want to go a little bit deeper in. Um, first is the target market. So, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of, you know, people always talk about the target market and, you know, going general versus getting specific, and who should I work with? Um, for me, it was by complete accident. Like I said, I, I started thinking, okay, I'm going to work with coaches and consultants and the whole financial advisory slash insurance business market found me. I didn't look for them. They found me. And then once I discovered um, the opportunity there, then I went full gung-ho into it. Um, that's one thing. And then there was something else. I, I, I lost my train of thought, but that was, but, that, but that's definitely one thing is that it's not always, oh, oh I'm sorry. In any market then, um, you know, I think there's the, you know, it's, it's the 80-20 rule if you want to call it that, but there's always, think of it as a pyramid, you know, so in any market, there's people that are at the top 5%, the next 15%, and then the 80%. And so even say in the financial services, life insurance industry, you know, I would not be able to sell at those investment points or price points to just the general market, it's very intentionally going to the top of the market, to the people that are already very successful um, and they're looking to become even more successful. But at the end of the day, they can afford your services if they believe that, 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 that you can help them. All of that led me, you know, experiencing that, um, all of that led me to very intentionally work on simply duplicating that opportunity. Um, so, for example, what I mean by that is that, you know, I found my, my, my key client, um, Shane, um, who, you know, is how do I duplicate him? How do I get more clients like him? But at the next level up, what I discovered is that, you know, the producer group that he belonged to called FFR, First Financial Resources, um, you know, I saw that, you know, that was just such a, um, you know, amazing place to get just a constant inflow of new clients from. So then the question became, how do I duplicate FFR, right? Um, If I want to be able to not have to chase, if I want to simply be able to sit back, um, have business come to me, you know, have my schedule filled up as much as I want so that I can then continue to say I'm booked up. I, you know, can't work with you until some time down the road or simply raise my prices again. It's how do I create more opportunities like FFR? And on a very, you know, very um, tactical level, 
um, as you and I have talked about, I found that podcasting is one of the best ways to do that. Having your own podcast like you have, like I do, called The Million Dollar Producer Show is by far the best way I've discovered so far to be able to have a platform that you can invite those very specific people to build that relationship and then from there create those opportunities for yourself. That's great. Yes. Talk a little bit about uh, some of the folks you've invited to your podcast and what that's meant in terms of business opportunities for you after that. I, you know, I currently, I think I have about six or seven episodes of my podcast um, and they do so well for me that I got lazy for a little bit, although now I'm starting to, um, you know, focus on it again. But it started with interviewing my key clients, such as Shane. His story is so powerful that it's like, I want everyone day to hear that, right? You know, and so I interviewed him. I interviewed Mark. Um, I interviewed the leadership um, of First Financial Resources. And up until now, I've used it primarily as what I would call a conversion tool. So, for example, if somebody wants to talk to me, um, or, you know, you know, sees me out there somewhere and wants to have a sales conversation, I always want to send them, you know, and it's their option if they watch it, but I always want to seed the conversation beforehand by sending them at least that interview with Shane. Because I know in terms of the services I offer that that is the key result that they want. Um, and I much prefer to have them come into the conversation with me having already watched that podcast episode. Um, so it's proven to be an amazing conversion tool. You know, it, it takes completely, quote unquote, cold prospects that don't know anything about me or just heard about me to suddenly becoming very, very interested in working with me and also changing the dynamic of the relationship where it's not me trying to chase them, if you will, but it's really me sitting yeah. back and them trying to, you know, figure out how they can work with me, which is amazing. The yeah. What you're describing there to me is uh, with Shane and some of the others like him are case studies. They're mm -hmm. video case studies. And I think of so many of the larger corporate um, organizations that put out these elaborate, beautifully printed case study. But nothing comes to life like a real person talking into a camera and really emoting and, ex and able to express what this meant to them for their lives, for their businesses, for their families. Mm -hmm. You can't capture that, I don't think, on paper as well as with the videos. So I think that's such a great um, approach in looking at how do I convert people, as you say, give them some homework to look at in advance of a conversation with you so they understand here's what's possible totally. for you. And then you can frame questions based on, or they can even frame questions for you based on what they took from that interview. And so I think whether someone launches an official podcast or not, doing these video interviews can be an excellent way of elevating someone because then they have this video that they can use for whatever purpose they would like to. Totally. And, 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 I, and you raise a good point there is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that's very good at just simplifying things. And so I personally resisted having an official podcast for 
a long time because, um, you know, for a number, a couple of years now, I simply use very simple tools like Zoom, upload to a free YouTube account, share on LinkedIn, three steps, right? And it was just when I saw those opportunities, okay, let's record, okay, I got some content. Um, you know, now I'm starting to go down the track of having, you know, the website and being on all the different podcast channels and kind of taking it to the next level. But I started just very simply, you know, what are those stories that I want to get? And, you know, very simple method of doing it. What I'm doing now, which I think will be of interest to your audience is, you know, how do you, how do you really attract those whales, right? So, and by whale, I mean those big, huge opportunities. How do you build those relationships with them? Uh, podcasting is a great way to do it, but there's also some psychology that I think people should understand. One is, is that, you know, just like in sales, people want to buy from, you know, people want to buy from people who, people similar to them have experienced good results. I think the same thing is true with podcasting. It's, you know, if I'm someone that's maybe quote unquote high status or, you know, decision maker and I have a lot, you know, and, and I have to really think about what podcast to be on, you know, one, there has to be some interest for me to be on it personally or organizationally. But the second key question that they're going to ask before they say yes to being in your podcast is who else like me has been on this podcast? If they see people like them that they identify with, then getting them to say yes is pretty simple. Yes. Um, and very strategically, you know, when I interviewed the leadership at this producer group, um, it was very strategically for that point is that I wanted to capture that. So then I could go to other similar groups and be like, hey, you know, so-and-so just like you, I don't quite say that that way, but you know, I demonstrate that, you know, it's been on my podcast. And I'd love to have you on as well. And it's like, oh, sure. Why not? Let's do it. So instant credibility in a market that two, three years ago, I knew nothing about. That is a really important point to think strategically about who might I speak to because if I'm able to interview them, the way I can approach other people and get easy yeses from them because of this one I had, I have a similar thing. I've got someone very well respected in the coaching industry who's been on my podcast and approaching people who were coached by him makes it very easy to have them on as a guest because it's like, wow, if he's done it, then sure, I'll, I'll do it too. Because Another area uh, that I wanted to bring up um, related to guests is someone who has recently published a book hmm. who has status in the industry you want to get into is a wonderful person to invite to a podcast because they typically say yes to almost any invitation <laughs> because of their desire to get their book out to the world to as many people as possible. So the, if you are interested in doing a podcast or doing an interview, asking to speak to someone who has published a book is a great uh, way to start thinking about who might I want to talk to. I think to your point, it's, it's, it's surprisingly easy to get them to say yes, especially when they've published a book or they're, they're in the process of publishing a book because they're interested in that promotional aspect. Um, I would also add, though, that it's important to think through who your guests are from the perspective of, 
how do I make money? Ultimately, how do I make money off of this? And what I mean by that is that if you're doing this fundamentally as a business development exercise, the question becomes, okay, if I interview this person, what then? Um, and so I've found for me that the ideal guests for me are these organizations called FMOs that essentially there's about 300 of them throughout the country, the United States, and all of my target clients belong to them. And so I'm just going after interviewing them with the idea being that I build a relationship with them. They invite me in to do a speaking or webinar or what have you. And now I'm positioned very well in front of their audience. Um, in terms of interviewing, say, like a New York Times bestselling author that's in the industry, um, there's some value to it. But I still, for myself, I still don't know quite, okay, if I do that, other than maybe positioning a little bit, I don't quite know how to translate that into the next step well for me it would be if if it's someone who would be uh respected or admired by other people that i want to invite okay yeah perfect that whole you know again getting the easy yes mm -hmm. they, and i've in, interviewed this person and that person there's a prestige there's celebrity by association that i think we can't underestimate definitely uh, in terms of the value. So, and also I think uh, what I have found too is people who are naturally givers, when mm -hmm. you invite them to be on your podcast and you elevate them mm -hmm. in the way that you interact with them and draw out their genius, oh. then they are eager to help you. And so I've had one guest who is not the, doesn't uh, meet the, description you just laid out mm -hmm. and yet she has these amazing contacts in a in this one industry that i am really eager to uh work in and so she's offered to make all these introductions so you you don't always know you want to be open and and i'm saying that not just for somebody that might have a podcast but for any conversation you're going to have be open to the ideas of possibilities while at the same time being discriminating to some degree. In other words, having some criteria, right? Because you've done a really good job of establishing criteria of who you want to schedule conversations with. Totally. And, and, and you bring up a great example of kind of how um, two things. One is that using it as that your own you know, further enhancing your own credibility by authority, by association. So definitely, but then also I liked what you said is that unexpectedly or, or maybe expectedly one of your recent guests turned into just a gold mine of opportunity. And so I guess for me, the bottom line is, is that it's, it's, it's doing something like podcasting with the idea of from a business development standpoint, what is the purpose? What is the next step? How am I monetizing it? That doesn't mean that you don't enjoy the conversations. It doesn't mean that you don't, value the people just means that if I'm fundamentally doing this as a business development tool, what's the next step? A great point. And you know, this kind of brings us full circle as we're winding down here back to your, um, your uh, example with Shane, because when he first wanted to speak to you and become a one-on-one -on -one client, you really weren't interested in that initially. And because you opened yourself up to the possibilities, that opened up a whole new world for you. And so I just think we have to keep our um, 
our minds and our eyes open to the opportunities that are in front of us and not to be too quick to say, uh, no, that, that doesn't fit my rigid criteria. So I think there's a balance between establishing elements or criteria that we want to use to help us decide whether to say yes or no to an opportunity. But then I think we have to trust our intuition. I think that's it. I think that's it. Trust, trust your intuition. Because if we really learn to pay attention to that, we're going to know in our gut if this is really a, a good direction to go or not. Yeah. In fact, I just heard uh, Kyle Cease hmm. on an interview say that if he says yes to an opportunity, he's got, he knows in two seconds if it was right, because he feels it in his gut. He said, if I have to go make a pros and cons list, it's a no. Because I'm having to do too much analysis of it. So I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like in this one, I, you know, when you, I think when you asked me to be a guest, I said yes. And that was just my gut, is that I know when I, is, is that the more time I spend with Meredith, the happier my life is, the, the, the more opportunities I have. And so that was just a quick gut, yes. <laughs> you. Well, Paul, are there any other um, tips or insights you'd like to um, say before we tell people uh, how they can find you and connect with you? Um, yeah, great question. You know, I, I think it's, you, I, think the, I think the key insight is that, I mean, there's different ones that we could talk about, but the key insight is, is how can you leverage your client relationships to build more business opportunity? How can you leverage those relationships to springboard into even more relationships? Chances are is that you have, you know, if you've been doing this for any number of years, you have a wealth of relationships, people value you. Um, and for whatever reason, sometimes we're shy or hesitant to reach out and ask, but um, you know, myself, and maybe I'm an extreme example, <clears throat> I go into every new client relationship with almost the, aspiration and expectation almost that if you know if I can help them be successful I want to move that to that they now become my champion they're now out there talking about my services because when you're able to do that successfully you know clients you know opportunities referrals just naturally come to you yes and it's really all about providing a, a superior level of service because that's what it takes to get them to be that enthusiastic and to become a champion for you. I love that question you were just bringing up. Another way to frame it is, what do I need to do in order for this person to feel so great about working with me that they want to become my champion? You know, if I can add one last thing, it's, you know, it's also capturing, it's, it's the power of capturing on video for a couple of reasons. One is that when you capture on video, you've now, you know, now it's, um, you, can, you can use it, you know, forever, so to speak, right? And so yes. I, think, I think oftentimes we have a sense of when our client is most excited, most enthusiastic, you know, most whatever, and, you know, it's to seize the opportunity and capture that. Um, and then the second thing I've found is that when, when you engage your client in that process, oftentimes they're happy to say yes. Um, but once they do say yes, they, I think on some psychological subconscious level, it takes them into becoming even more of your champion. By them agreeing to, you know, champion you even it's just in a video, for example, 
now they have an emotional, personal emotional investment in being consistent with that over time. Yeah. And so I found that every time I do this, um, you know, it's like they're now extremely motivated to continue that process, which is, which is awesome. That's a great point. Yes, commitment. Getting that commitment, feeling that commitment in their bodies, really, so that they are enthused about doing that. Well, and, and, and the final thing is, is that it's always interesting to see what they, what, what they have to say is that sometimes, you know, you think that, okay, they're experiencing a certain way, but then you get them on camera and you ask them open-ended questions and they say something, it's like, oh my goodness, I did that? Wow. <laughs> Makes you feel good. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So it affirms you too and yes. the value of, of what you bring. That's great. So Paul, how can people connect with you? Um, Easiest way is just LinkedIn. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn under Paul G. McManus. Um, the other place to check me out would be on my website, which is milliondollarproducershow.com. Great. And we'll put um, both of those links on our show notes page on our website. Awesome. So thank you. Well, I so appreciate your being with me today. This has been such a great conversation. And I know that the folks listening have taken away a ton of value that they can really go out and use now in their own business development. Awesome. All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.